Yes. So, uh, Park Hill Church, happy Easter. Uh, if you're from beyond Park Hill Church, welcome. It's wonderful to see you here on this Easter gathering uh, together at home over YouTube Live or whatever, Facebook Live, whatever it is. Um, my name's Evan Wickham, and my wife Sandy and I have the joy of leading this church alongside just a fantastic team. We normally say that on Sundays. I haven't said that in a few weeks. I haven't let you know how fantastic the team is that is putting an, a physical church into a digital space. They've crushed it. Love you guys. If everybody could just like give a round of applause from home for the Park Hill staff, I, I think they can hear you. Um, so good. Well done. And, and before we get into the teaching, there, there's a, there's a Easter sermon that's about to come your way right now, and um, yeah, but before we do, another big well done to you, okay? Uh, church, um, huge well done for the church's generosity in this uncertain time. I just want to say, despite all the like, financial changes for many, like losing jobs, something like 18 to 20% of our church that was surveyed lost jobs because of COVID-19 um, and the ensuing health orders. And then another 35% like saw a decrease in income. And I just, I just want to honor you. Our whole church has risen in, in this last week. But last Sunday, our church's giving was like one of the healthiest Sundays ever in giving, despite all of that. So that's another like huge, well done church. Jesus is alive through, through, through that generosity. That's the generosity of the Father um, through you, which is amazing. Um, also, I just wanted to say, if you have kids, um, obviously my kids aren't here today, they're at home, uh, and you've, you've seen them in past Sunday live streams, but if you have kids, our, our kids pastor, Ariel Dorch, she has some amazing resources that she would love to get your way. Please email through the church website, and we would love to equip you however we can, even if it's just through prayer, but also through resources to lead your children well in this wild time um, on Easter. And then last two reminders, we are meeting every day at noon for daily prayer. And we encourage all communities to meet over Zoom. That's our rhythm. Sunday gathering like this, daily prayer at noon on our website over Zoom, and then communities. You guys, we can't survive as a church without moving toward each other. And I know Zoom fatigue is a real thing, uh, but we need to push through that toward one another in this time. Um, So yeah. If you want to feel more connected to the life of Park Hill, please email us uh, at any time for any reason. We want to be available to you. Now, we're going to move into the teaching. Grab a Bible if you have one. Um, I, I even have the normal Sunday like like teaching thing, thingamabob. So um, feels kind of official. Um, grab a Bible. Open to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter twenty-four. Okay. If you're new to the Bible, Luke's gospel is is the third book in the New Testament. Uh, New Testament starts in the middle, go three books over. There's actually four gospels, four different eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Each of these gospel writers, they're trying to convey their own unique things about Jesus. And this is especially true when it comes to the resurrection accounts. All four gospels talk about this event where God raised a Jewish carpenter from the dead. Um which is insane. And all four Gospels talk about this event, and they talk about it from a different perspective. A really great way to spend your time this Easter week, I would just say, just spend time meditating just on all four Easter accounts, all four resurrections. And what's the first Jesus sighting? 
after each of the four. Very interesting. You get an idea for what each author was trying to say through this story. Um, But I have to say, Luke's first Jesus sighting, the Gospel of Luke, is probably my favorite, uh, right now at least. Uh, This is super timely, in a crisis, we're all wondering how to hold on to our emotions in this moment, Um, and we're sort of in crisis mode. And I think Luke wants to say something specific about Jesus' resurrection and how resurrection moves into our crises. Um, So here it is, first resurrection sighting, Luke chapter 24. Go to Luke 24, starting at verse 13. Amazing story, unbelievable. Now that same day, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to, what same day? It's the resurrection day. So that same day, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, like the cross, and they lost their leader, and the Romans are looking really strong right now. Um, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Um, So I... I, uh, this, this is probably, of all the scenes in the Bible, this is the one I'd most want to like time, time teleport back to and just, just like tag along. Because you, Jesus, the words in the Greek, Jesus actually like quickens his step to catch up to these people. And like, hey, hey, what are you guys talking about? Like, like he just kind of quickens his step to be with them. Um, it's just not something I, I usually picture God doing, but it's very sweet. Um, just picture that. He moves toward these depressed disciples to meet them at their pace in their moment of grief and to walk in step with them. This tells us what God is like. He's a creator of the universe who wants to move in, kind of jog up to you and and fall in line with where you're at and begin listening to you and begin hearing you speak to him. Um, The problem for us, here's the problem. It's the same problem as for these two disciples. Um, It says they were kept from recognizing him. So why, why? Like, why did the disciples not recognize Jesus? They were like his disciples, and they spent years with him. Um, and it doesn't say anything about Jesus being like a shapeshifter or anything. Um, at least they should know his face. Why did the disciples not recognize Jesus? The easy answer is the text doesn't say. Like, there's a lot of great guesses out there. Uh, was God intentionally disguising himself to make a point? Or uh, were they just so crying they couldn't see through their tears? What was it? Doesn't say. In reality, it doesn't matter. Because the real question Luke wants us to ask is ourselves, what is keeping me from recognizing Jesus in this crisis? What is keeping me from responding in the love of God during this crisis? What is keeping me from seeing Jesus' face? The question the Spirit wants us to ask is that. You, like, what is keeping me from recognizing you, Jesus, in this moment and so Jesus catches up to them, and they don't recognize him. And then verse 17, he, he asks them, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? And, they, and it says they stood still, they stopped walking, and their faces downcast. A rare word in scripture for really depressed, like bummed. One of them named Clopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asks. And Jesus, like casually, he's just like, what? Tell me, like, Pretend I don't know. Like, I want to hear you say it. I want to hear your emotions. I want to hear you tell me. Um, 
Like this is another moment for us. Like this is what God is like. You look at Jesus, you see the Father. And the Father right now, the Spirit of God is coming to you. Holy Saturday, yesterday. Day after Easter, Monday. And you're like, oh my gosh, I feel this. I don't know what this is. I don't know. And he's like, what are, you, what are you talking? Like, what's going on? You're like, well, don't you know? Where are you? And he's like, no, I don't. I, I might know, but like, I want to hear you tell me. Um, this is what God is like. This is what God is like. He wants to hear us. This resurrection day, God wants to hear you talk to him. I'll just talk about him or about COVID-19 or about whatever, but to, to him about everything. Um, this is his longing. This is why he's jogging up the road to catch up with your pace right now. Um, he wants to hear your authentic emotions, um, your visceral response to being isolated right now. You're laid off or furloughed. I heard one business, you know, the CEO said, all right, voluntary furloughs, who, who's a taker? Come on, be brave. It's like, oh my gosh, how do you, how do you navigate that moment um, and stay in the moment with Jesus? Um, or, or pay decreases, sick parents, forced homeschooling, fear of the unknown. Jesus is like, hey, what, what do you think? What's going on? Tell me. The resurrected Jesus, on the day he came out of the grave, he's like, now you, you tell me how you feel. Um, I want to hear you. So for these two disciples, their plans just got shattered and their lives are about to get really, really tough um, because their leader is now an executed criminal, which makes them maybe fugitives, suspects, I don't know. They're just really bummed about what's going on. Uh, verse 19, uh, and so they're like, about Jesus of Nazareth. That's what we're bummed about, about Jesus. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Verse 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. Verse 21, here it is. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And so in this chunk of text, they had their idea of what God was like and what God would do. And he would do it their way in their timing. Um, and they wouldn't have to suffer like they just saw him suffer. So they had big hopes and plans, and now they're shattered. And uh, Jesus publicly executed. That's a clear loss. Like when people are executed by the state, they lose. Um, and so they're, you know, they're thinking like any, any of us would have thought in that moment. This is not a win. Real messiahs don't get killed. I like how N.T. Wright describes their problem. He says, these disciples along with everyone else in Israel, had been reading the Bible through the wrong end of the telescope. Like they've been seeing scriptures, they've been reading the Bible as a story about how God would save them from suffering, from suffering. But in reality, the Bible is, is a story about how God would save us through suffering, starting with himself. Like he would journey into suffering, call us to take up our cross. He said that so many times to these disciples. Whoever wants to follow me, deny himself, take up the cross. He's like the cross. He, Jesus didn't save us from the cross. He saved us from sin and hell and death. But he didn't save us from the cross. He calls us to take up our cross and allow him to lead us through suffering well and through grief well. How? By coming to him not talking about all of these things or about becoming to him first, first. And they obviously talk about the things too. Jesus says it this way in the very next verses. He says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, this is great. 
he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So this is why I want to be at this fly on the wall, get in a DeLorean, flux capacitor back to this year and be there. Jesus gives them the way to read the Old Testament and find him on every page in this moment. On this seven-mile walk, he gives them the ultimate biblical theological framework for, for being a Christian and reading the Bible. It's crazy. Like, he gives them the Christ in all of Scripture lecture in that moment from Jesus, from Christ, which is so wild to think about. And he's like, you guys, suffering was always part of this. If suffering is part of the deal for God in the flesh, then followers of Jesus, you think you're any different. Like, this is... It's normal. We talk about the new normal. Is coronavirus the new normal or whatever? Jesus said in the world, you'll have trouble. You'll you'll have tribulation. And be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. They're both always true. If suffering is the new normal, obviously uncertainty in the specific circumstance is very new to us. But a pandemic is just what every generation experienced before us in various ways um, and in various forms. And not just pandemics, but wars, persecutions. And Jesus is like, uh, if the Messiah saves you through suffering himself and says, take up your cross, you guys, listen, the world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome it. Come on, follow me. And he's not glossing over real emotions. Jesus grieved in his moment of suffering. He took his emotions to God, that's the point. He took his deep, raw, gritty, authentic, visceral, R-rated emotions. He took them to the Father. Um, For Jesus, suffering was part of the deal. So, um, yeah, none of this surprises him. There you have it. So Jesus shows us how to find Christ on every page of the scriptures in this moment. And in verse 28... He's, he's taken them through the scriptures. In verse 28, as they approached the village they were going to, Emmaus, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. I love, this is, this is where it wraps up. This is where it like comes to a head. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. Um, <laughs> I want you to notice the disciples in this moment. I so resonate with this. And if I'm, if I'm not too far off, this is probably most of us in this moment. They still don't see Jesus. They don't recognize him. But something about this moment is attractive and they beg him to stay. I don't know what it is about you. We wish Jesus was alive. I don't know who you are exactly. I'm confused even about who God is right now, but I just want you, your presence. And it's this moment of just layers of meaning and confusion. I so resonate with this. Um, Maybe you're in this place, you're uncertain and discouraged. And maybe I just, you know, I talked to a friend yesterday. This is the first Easter, he'll be just alone. Um, Maybe that's you. First Easter, not eating with anyone else. Um, And that's unbearable and painful. And maybe you're having trouble recognizing Jesus right now. That's real, you guys. This is real. I don't know about you, but that's where I've been this past month. It's about a month since the first wave of COVID started really messing with us. Um, And it's it's weird to say this as a pastor, but for these past few weeks, I've had such 
a hard time recognizing the presence of Jesus in my life. Um, my meditation and prayer have, have been way less consistent. My anger has been way more out of control than usual. I'm just being honest, to be dead honest with you. This might freak some of you guys out. It's not what I'm intending to do. My intention is to help us move authentically to Jesus right now. So to be honest, for the majority of the past month of COVID lockdown, I have forgotten how to recognize and even call out to Jesus for his spirit's power and how I respond to people. Um, like these disciples on the road, I've been just carrying on, pushing forward, uh, trying to validate myself in the world by getting all the information I can and reacting instead of responding to people. I basically forgot what Jesus looks like. I forgot what his relational presence is like. I mean, is anyone, I mean, is anyone else with me? I, ho- I doubt I'm alone. So this story from Luke shows me what to do in this state. And, and I'm having trouble obeying it, to be honest. Um, but according to Luke here, the disciples do something very intentional. They strongly urge Jesus to stay. They strongly urge Jesus to stay. They still don't recognize him, probably still downcast, but something about Jesus' presence. Lord, I need you. I need you. And I don't know where you are exactly, but I'm just going to, this guy, I need him to stay. They don't, you see, you see the fuzziness here, but they're strongly urging Jesus to stay, to stay. This, my friends, is a baseline prayer. God, I don't know where you are, but come. I don't see you moving, but Holy Spirit, come. Invite the Spirit into your moments, depressed, discouraged. I felt all those things in these last three weeks. And it's honestly spilled over into an unhealthy way in my family. Just me not allowing Jesus to hear me. Like, not, me not talking to Jesus. Because I'm talking to people and getting information and trying to validate my place in the world without coming to Jesus. It's, it's, it's such a vicious cycle I even have trouble articulating. I have my notes here, but these aren't what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say this. Um, Right now, I have to take on an emergency prayer posture and strongly urge Jesus to come in. So Park Hill, whoever's watching this on Resurrection Day, the risen king, he's jogged up on the road to you, and uh, he's been moving toward you, wanting to hear your heart, longing to reveal himself to you. Call upon him. Call upon him in communities this week. Let him know your very real angst right now. Baseline prayer of a child of God. And, and guess what? God obligates himself to respond to this prayer. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth, his name. He's near. Will we allow him to open our eyes to his goodness? Or will we stay closed and detach? So the final, the final section, when he was at the table, he, so Jesus comes in. So you see this dramatic story. Uh, he comes into their house. He's walked the road with them. He's given them the Bible lesson, and they just feel a presence. And then uh, he's at the table now. He takes bread. There we have, we have bread and cup there, right, right by a very, um, very amazing painting. Joel Briggs, Joel Richard Briggs, painted this on Good Friday. He finished the painting during the gathering. If you saw the Good Friday service, this painting is entitled, I believe, Meha Adama, which is Hebrew for from the earth. If it's not titled that, it's modeled and it's a meditation on that idea. From the earth, God entered everything about our earth. 
so that we might enter his intimate family forever. And it's just a meditation, very abstract, and I love it. And that's why it's been in the background all along. This is art from within our family. Um, and, and when Jesus, the man, the God-man who came to earth, when he broke the bread, he, he grabbed the bread and cup, and he broke it with these disciples who were bummed, and he blessed it, and he began to give it. It says their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. So, so you see, there's a, a turning to, there was a turning to Jesus. There was a, who are you? There was a, a, now I turn to the scriptures. Now it's making sense. Now I urge him to come in. Holy Spirit, will you come? And then communion at the table, breakthrough, breakthrough. Church, this is Luke being very clear with the best tools we know how to communicate with story. Very clear. Um, that this is how we find breakthrough in crisis, although it might take a seven-mile walk or a 70-mile walk or a seven-month pandemic or whatever. This is, this is how we encounter Jesus and allow our eyes to be opened. We talk to him, and then we allow him to take us to the scriptures, and we submit, and then we invite him in. Holy Spirit, come. And then we get over Zoom with our community right now, and we say, okay, Jesus, I receive your bread. I receive your wine. Come to me through the elements. And this is, this is for 2,000 years, the way God has chosen to meet his people and to cause our eyes to be open to what he's doing, even in the most confusing circumstances. Verse 31, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Like, at that point, assume, I assume he physically actually disappeared. I don't know. I, don't know. I have nothing to say about that. It's amazing. Uh, verse 32, they asked each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up, returned back to Jerusalem, and they found the 11 disciples and those with them, and, and they said, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. The two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So church, this is Luke, not just telling a story so we have a history lesson, but he wants us to enter this story and bring our crisis to Jesus, invite him in, and, and speak to him as we're inviting him in. Lord, here's my emotions, here's my feeling. Lord, I'm going to the scriptures to find you on every page. And then boom, the bread and cup. I guarantee you, if you stay faithful in coming to Jesus with your community and over communion, um, the Lord will increase your vision for what he wants to do in you in this crisis. Where is God right now? He will show you. He will show us in community in these ways. So that's, that's, really, that's really the message. Um, and, and so to sum up, really there's two tethers that keep us rooted in the blizzard so my, uh, just to use an analogy to close, my dad was born on a farm in Ohio and uh, blizzards and stuff all winter. And the way that they would, farmers would go out and work during a blizzard, you'd tie a rope to the front of your house and then tie the other end around your waist and you'd go out and try to find stuff that needs to be done and you know, save cows from running away or whatever. Um, and it's, blizzards are so bad you can't see, so they'd find the rope and they'd just pull on it and it would lead them back home. And that's a great analogy for what Jesus is giving us here. He's giving us tethers in the blizzard of an unprecedented pandemic. The tethers are word and table. The scriptures that point to Jesus and the table where we encounter him in our bodies with our church. 
And if we come to these things humbly, talking with Jesus, giving him our honest emotions, giving our community our honest emotions, being humble, Jesus, he's essentially promising that these tethers will lead us home to him. Um, so I, I'm going to lead us. We've, we've done the word today. I would encourage you to continue doing it. We have a community practice this week for your communities. We're going to be tethering yourself through meditation on the scriptures. And now we're going to do the second tether, bread and cup. So if you have a cup, uh, bread and wine, crackers, grape juice, whatever, uh, get that now. And Tanika is going to lead us in another song. Um, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us, church. Let's, let's hold on to these ropes. This is a blizzard. Heavenly Father, you've given us word and table, the scriptures that burn in our hearts and show us who you are. And you give us um, communion. You give, you give us this, this meal. And we trust you in it. We trust you that you will come to us. You'll cause the scales to fall from our eyes. Our eyes to be opened, to see where you're moving. A lot of us are just depressed, anxious. You want to hear us talk to you. And you want to enlarge our vision, help this Easter, this resurrection, do what you did on the first resurrection in Jesus' name. Just take a deep breath as we get to the keyboard. I'm just, uh, just ask the Spirit right now to help you move toward Jesus in this moment.